Welcome to the Higher Potential Living Podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Marichello. Hello, and thanks for joining for another episode of Higher Potential Living Podcast. On this episode, I am joined by who we are going to call Chloe. Now, Chloe is a full-service sex worker, and on this episode, we kind of dive in a little bit to destigmatize the idea that this is not a viable career path. And it's uh, really interesting as we kind of dove in because some of the aspects that Chloe wanted to jump into is the fact that she has a regular life, that she's open to speaking about it with her family, with her partner, and even just get out there that she does have a partner, that she's going to school for her master's, and that she chooses this lifestyle. It's not something that she feels forced into, but rather something that she chooses to do on a regular basis. I learned a lot having this conversation, and I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome once again on today's episode. I am joined by, well, we'll be calling this guest uh, Chloe for the duration of this episode. So welcome, Chloe. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. So we're going to be talking about sex work today. Mm -hmm. And at the end of all of my segments, I always put out there, if anyone thinks that they know someone who would be good for an episode to let me know, someone put me in contact with you and you were pretty excited to actually like talk about this work and to try to debunk some of the stigmas out there around it. Yeah, totally. So I guess, oh, where to begin? <laughs> I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. Okay. Um, so first of all, I guess, is this the kind of thing that <laughs> as a young woman, you thought to yourself, I'm going to do that one day? <laughs> um, no. Um, I was never the type to see an issue with it I suppose like I remember mm. people you know mentioning porn or stuff like that and saying you know like oh I could never do that and in my head I was like well not like I could never do it but it's not something that would maybe be my first choice at the time is what I thought right um and yeah now here we are do you think it was because you were maybe brought up in a more open-minded household or something? Oh, no. No. Oh, no. Quite <laughs> the opposite. A, this is a you thing. Yeah. I see. Because I wonder so often about like a lot of these careers or life choices or even um, identities that have so much stigma associated with them, how much of that is just conditioning from the environment that we grow up in? Oh, yeah. But in your case, you were somehow able to think outside that framework that was presented to you. Yeah, I think a big part of it is that like growing up I knew that I never really fit in with my family's like beliefs, morals, values, kinds of things. And so I was always just kind of left to my own devices to figure things out for myself and mm. I researched things myself and looked into things myself and and drew my own conclusions as to what I thought was good for me and so it, it didn't really matter like what my parents said or thought or what my siblings said or thought because at the end of the day like I was making the decisions for myself and I knew that what they said wouldn't make a difference. So 
is this the kind of thing like you're in your 20s 30s are, are we allowed to ask these kinds of questions yeah. um so according to my profile i'm 23 um but it's pretty normal in sex work and for people to like even everyone knows you kind of just like add five years onto whatever the client or not the clients the sex workers posted ages and that's pretty much what you're actually getting for the most part are you telling us that you're 28 i'm telling is this exclusive information right now (laughs) no i'm 27 um but i'm actually considering actually upping my age because i found that um people who do know my real age um are it, it can kind of work in your favor sometimes because the people that go for like those younger girls um are kind of looking for that like porn star experience where that's not really something that i offer um gotcha and so i find and i've been recommended you know by other people in the collective that i work in to raise your age and see if that affects the demographic demographic of people that i attract okay so you just said a bunch of things that we're gonna like we're gonna have to break down but the reason why i asked you about your age is was this the first career that you just like jumped into or oh no okay so there was like you did you go to school you don't have to Mm -hmm. say what you went to school for but you went to school for something yeah no so i went to uh college first graduated from there had a plan i thought i you know, was going to go to this university and I was going to get my degree and then I was going to become a child life specialist and this is what I was going to do. Um, and then I went, after I graduated college, I moved to university and I hated the program that I was in. Um, so I moved home. Um, I work with kids, so that's fine. I'm, I'm pretty open about that regardless. Um, and moved home, took some time to think about it. And I transferred to a similar but different program in Toronto. Um, and I loved it, graduated from there. And then, um, I started working with kids with special needs after that. Um, and I've been working there for a while and I love it, but it's exhausting and Mm. the money is shit. (laughs) And, um, so I always knew it wasn't something that I was going to do forever. And so now I'm actually working on my master's which is also not very conducive to a shitty paying job because a master's is very expensive. So mm-hmm. that's when I kind of started looking into alternative things. Um, and when the pandemic hit, um, OnlyFans became pretty popular. Um, Pause for a second. Yeah. What is OnlyFans? OnlyFans is like a website, a subscription-based website, and people can pay you to subscribe to your web page and it consists of whatever you want it to consist of. I think when it was originally started, it was made to consist more of like, you know, workouts and maybe like special recipes and like VIP access for like celebrities and stuff. Mm. And it just kind of turned into this like porn website. Oh. Um, so yeah, it's it was became more common with, you know, people trying to make money during the pandemic because it was something that you could do from home. Um, and typically you could be quite successful at um, if you put the work into it. Right. 
So one of the things, because, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the podcast is I love dispelling ignorance about different lifestyle choices that people just don't think about. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things that maybe would be in someone's mind is someone who turns to sex sex work just doesn't have other options. But you sound, you sound intelligent. You sound like you're educated, that you, you know, have options out there. Mm -hmm. So from this idea of uh, uh, OnlyFans and all Mm -hmm. that, what made the transition and how would the transition happen to get into sex work? Yeah, so I actually didn't start with OnlyFans. It was more just like me... It it was it was becoming more of a I'm trying to think of the word um, it was becoming more of a thought in my head like more often because I was hearing about OnlyFans so much oh, I see um, but I didn't start there um, maybe we should like back up a little bit though and um, explain like what the different types of sex work are totally okay. Okay. So what I do... There's different types of sex work. Great. Yes. Okay, I'm getting so educated. sex work is like the broad umbrella term. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's things under sex work. So there's porn. Right. There's OnlyFans, which is like kind of in with porn. So what would be... Uh, I guess that would be like cam girl kind of stuff. Yeah, so camming is also separate. Okay. Um, okay. Camming is kind of a bit of a gray area. So I have friends who had done camming previously and like they didn't do any sort of explicit content other than like flashing the audience Mm. um on their cam stuff right um so that's yeah it could be a bit gray um same with OnlyFans. like people aren't necessarily posting crazy stuff on there like people post feet pics and and that has an audience and whatever you know, cosplay and like all that kind of stuff. Like that's all on there as well. And, you know, it could be a little bit more suggestive, but like they're not all necessarily posing fully nude. Mm. Um, it just kind of depends what you're looking for. Um, so there's that. And then there's sugaring, which is like the sugar daddy, sugar baby thing, um, which is how I actually started. Okay. Let's, let's break this down. So sugaring. Yeah. Uh, when you say sugar daddy, this is someone who has money and just wants to pay someone for X, Y, and Z. Correct. It's okay. typically more of a monogamous relationship. Mm, um, okay. And yeah, that's the main kind of difference. Okay. Um, is that it's more of like a one-time ongoing re- or you're seeing one person and it's an ongoing relationship with that one person. They pay you usually more so allowance based. So like you'll agree on a number, they give you that allowance. And then when you meet up with them, you know, typically they'll also like take you shopping or, or do those kinds of things. Or instead of maybe giving you allowance, they'll pay your tuition for the semester. So like, I know that's really common with students. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And this was something that you got into? Yeah. So that's how I started. And it actually kind of started, I have an odd story because it started very organically. So I was chatting with an acquaintance of mine um, one day and, you know, he had kind of confided to me a bit about how like he was struggling in his marriage and um, his friends had joked um, that 
he should get a sugar baby and that him and his wife have kind of had this agreement like don't ask don't tell kind Mm. of thing and he was just kind of wondering what was out there um in hindsight like he was definitely fishing when he threw that out there with me right um and i was just like you know what fuck it who cares um at the time i was i had just left a long-term relationship and i was back with my parents i wanted to move out sooner rather than later i had you know applied for my master's program i knew it was going to be expensive and i was also pretty tired in my quote unquote vanilla job. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Like, let's just see what happens. I threw out a number and he was like, sure. Sounds good. And we just kind of went from there. And then I moved slowly into full service sex work, which is the last kind of piece of the umbrella. Mm. Um, and in that there's, you know, massage parlors, which is, you know, like your what people call the rub and tugs. Um, the whole happy ending thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's full service sex work, with which is escorting, and that's what I do. Okay, so is escorting the same as prostitution? Um, yes and no. Um, I use the term prostitution when I'm, like, making fun of myself or something. Um, or, you know, our friends will call each other that. I think it's, I think... It's almost a way of like us reclaiming the word back uh, and using it more in like a jokey term or like a hell yeah, I'm a prostitute. Like, and I, you know, just sat here and made 400 bucks an hour doing right pretty much nothing. Like sometimes I just sit and have a conversation with someone because all they really want is companionship. And then I walk out and, and that's that. It's kind of like reclaiming the word slut has been a big thing Correct. and like this kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. So with this now, like before having a conversation with you, I had thoughts in my mind when I thought about sex work of like exploitation of these women. Mm. And that's, I think, probably where a lot of that mindset of, you know, when I asked you about your education and your options and all this is like, mm. you know, people probably go to this when they don't have any other way to make money or any way to, you know, support themselves. Mm-hmm. But this sounds like it's a choice and it sounds like you're doing it on your own free will. Doesn't oh, seem totally. like you're being exploited. No. So, you know, how do we how do we make sure that this is because it's happening in the world around us, mm-hmm. but that it's happening ethically. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's important to note that I think some people do probably enter into it feeling like they have minimal other choices or like maybe they're choosing between this and serving and they don't really want to do that. So they choose this instead. And then I know all of my friends and the people that I've talked to in in the industry that are still doing it. It's like, yes, we might have gone in, in less than ideal circumstances, Mm. but I'm not being forced to stay. I'm not being forced to do this by any means. And like, I truly love my job. And I'm continuously choosing to do this every day. And yeah, like I do have other options that I could be doing, but I'm doing this instead because it's so much better than anything else that I could be doing right now. Um, So yeah, kind of going back to like avoiding exploitation, I think like a lot of it is, you know, common sense, like avoiding the typical like 
going into a maybe less than ideal neighborhood and picking someone up off the street corner for a $20 blowjob like probably isn't a great idea because mm-hmm. those are probably the people that are, you know, being trafficked and being like pimped out and all of that kind of stuff. And, and that's where you don't want to put your money because, you know, put your money where your mouth is and support the people who want to, I think I used that term wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting term. No, it's like, it's like the support local kind of thing, you know, like you want to like put your, like yeah. put your money in the ethical yeah. places. So movies betrayed all the time that yeah. that's how you find sex workers. You just like wait until it gets dark. You find the shadiest, <laughs> find the shadiest alley and no. it's just going to happen. Absolutely not. So how do people find escorts? Google. Oh, really? Google and Twitter. So if you can Google it, is this legal? Uh, like not to say that everything you can Google is legal, but right. like I would just assume if I can Google and find a business that it would be really easy for someone to just shut down for illegal activity. Right. So what I'm doing is fully legal. Um, like I pay taxes. I do all of those things. Um, I could hypothetically take maternity leave if I wanted to, I can collect EI, I can do all those things under, like I'm claiming basically under a small business. Um, we actually file our taxes the same as psychics and party planners. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, we all fall under the same tax number. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so what I do is fully legal. The gray area is the men paying for sex. Right. So what we do is you are paying for my time. Mm -hmm. And what we do behind closed doors is between two consenting adults and whatever happens, happens. And at the end of the day, like that's very true because, you know, someone could come in and I could be, you know, getting bad vibes from them or like not feeling totally comfortable. And I could say like, no, and ask them to leave or I could leave if I wanted to. And there's nothing stopping me from doing that. And there's nothing with us exchanging money that's forcing me to have sex with that person. So with something like this, then how do you protect yourself? Um, For me personally, a big thing is I don't work independently. Um, I work in a collective. So I have, you know, an admin team. I have other sex workers who are backing me up. I have a shared calendar with all those sex workers who know where I am at all times, share my location. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about this more in, in a little bit, but like I share my location with my partner as well and like always let him know like what's going on and where I am and and what the deal is and all that kind of stuff. And then another big thing is we screen our clients. So I don't see any new clients with currently right now because of the pandemic. The only way that I will see new clients is with them providing photo ID and proof of vaccination. Mm. Um, And that's just something because of the risk that I'm taking um, with, you know, swapping spit and all of that kind of stuff. Like you just, I, it's not a risk I'm willing to take at this point to be with someone who's vaccinated or unvaccinated. And I don't really want to get into that whole debate, but at this point, um, 
I can't take that risk. So that's mm-hmm. what I do. Um, pre-pandemic and um, post-pandemic, eventually, um, I'll also accept a LinkedIn profile with like a picture that's you know established. Um, or we also will take um, references from other reputable providers or trusted providers um, in the industry. Um, and if they give us a positive reference, then we can see the clients. This is way more organized than I would have ever assumed. Yeah. So, okay. And, and I think you mentioned before we actually started hitting record too, that like if someone does seem sketchy, they could be blocked, blacklisted, Mm -hmm. and like that spreads throughout the community as well. Mm -hmm. So that that person's not just going to, okay, well, I can't see Chloe, but I'm going to go and see Cleo. You're Cleo? Chloe. 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 You're someone. (laughs) I have someone. (laughs) You're doing great. Yeah. (laughs) I'm not keeping my name straight. Okay. okay. So, yeah. So there's a lot more to this to protect the women than I would have initially thought. Yeah. We also have, you know, webs, like various websites and stuff that we can go on to. Um, There's a great organization in Toronto called Maggie's um, and they have a bad date list. So we can just like input people's information into there and, um, anyone who's in the industry who's already been like green lighted has access to that and we can just search people's names and new clients. So someone could very well send me their ID and their vaccination and everything. And then I'll do my background check on that name. And if it comes up as they're blocked or they, you know, asked for bareback full service or something like I won't see them and I can just say, no, thank you. Like I'm choosing not to see you. Like I don't need to give them a reason. And, mm-hmm. um, the same reason why they don't need to give a reason why they want to see me. I don't have to give a reason why I won't see them. That being said, I don't discriminate against, you know, race, gender, anything like that. I'll, I'll see anyone I identify as queer or pansexual or whatever. So like I will see um, female identifying, male identifying, whatever. But if I get those bad vibes or if, you know, they don't pass the background screening, then I won't see them. And, and that's that. Now, something that you kind of alluded to is you had talked about people working independently. You've talked about collectives. Mm-hmm. So there's different ways that individuals in sex work are organizing mm-hmm. or not, I guess, in the case of independence. Mm-hmm. So have you any experience in any of these different? Is there a reason why you've chosen collective over anything else? Yeah. So I started in an agency model. Um, so with an agency model, it's you know, classic, there's the owner, there's the managers, and then there's the women. And, um, there's two ways that full service sex work works. There's in call and there's out call. So in call is when the men come to the lady and she's staying in a hotel, a condo, uh, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's out call, which is where the lady goes to the man and, you know, they could be staying same thing in a hotel, their house, wherever and we see them and then we leave and without call there's typically a driver um which is also when you're working in an agency it's also technically the security that you receive with an agency i guess yeah that's something i didn't really think of is if someone really wanted to get creepy and stock and all this kind of stuff like you don't want necessarily someone having your license plate or mm-hmm. knowing what kind of car you drive or mm-hmm. anything like that so that's interesting so with the collective we don't have drivers because it's just an added there are various reasons, like there's pros and cons to drivers, you know, having a driver, you know, can make you feel safe, all that kind of stuff. But sometimes drivers add some like unwanted drama. They can also, you know, add an 
an, an extra cost on top. Like there's another person mm-hmm. that you have to pay out. Um, so there's other things. So we don't have drivers, um, but I always just Uber whenever I'm going anywhere, even if it's, if I'm going from an in-call and I'm, I, I either walk or I Uber because same thing, like I don't want to risk having my license played around. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. You also, like I'm, I'm bouncing all over the place yeah. here, but you mentioned a partner. Yes. I'm very curious to know how that works, how your partner feels to the best of your knowledge about like, were you doing this the entire time you were together? Uh, so yes. Did you want to talk about the agencies and stuff still? Oh yeah. Okay. 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 Let's do that. Let's do that. Then we'll get to the partner. Okay. So, um, yeah. So agency is like typical, like owner, manager and girls. Um, and with an agency, it's split various ways. You know, I've heard the best split that I've heard is like a 70, 30 split where 70% goes to the lady, 30% goes to, um, the agency. And then that's used for, you know, advertising other people's payouts, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but typically it is, you are usually paying out an agency more, um, and their rates, tend to be lower than what you would normally charge as an independent. Hmm. Um, the pros to having an agency is one, it's a great way to dip your toe in um, and get started. It's a great way to build up a clientele base. Um, it also makes you typically feel quite safe because you have supportive people around you for the most part. And it's, it's easy because you're not doing anything. You just show up, you meet your client, you do your job, and you leave. Um, the cons to agencies is people kind of say, especially independents, say that agencies are just, you know, a fancy pimp, basically. Mm. Um, and oftentimes you can get into agencies where they don't really care about the girls, they care more about the money, you know, the, the lines get blurred and crossed a lot more. They won't blacklist clients as quickly or as easily as, you know, an independent would. So there's like a, a way higher tolerance for bullshit. Right. Um, and, you know, they can also, those are the types that can sometimes, you know, con those unsuspecting people into it with like promises of various things and then them getting sucked in and, and not really getting treated the way that they deserve to be treated. So another thing with agencies is some agencies will screen and some don't. Right. Um, and with that, um, again, it's just the tolerance for bullshit. And with agencies, they want volume. And mm. if they're not screening, you're obviously going to get a higher volume of clients. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just it's just the way it is. Um, so, yeah, I started with an agency. I felt relatively safe. And then... Um, as I continued on, I was quite successful there and I really loved it because, you know, you can, a big thing with sex work is you can always make your own schedule and you can work when you want. You don't have to work when you don't want to. And that's that. Um, and I felt relatively safe when I was working there and it was a good way again to dip my toe in and not have to really do anything. Um, they just sent me my calls. I'd I did out call only for the most part and 
So they just sent me my calls. They sent me the driver and, and that was that. Um, and then as things progressed, I kind of wanted to, you know, branch out a different direction because another con with the agencies is that typically they like their ladies to be more interchangeable. Um, so they want you to fit into a little bit more of like a cookie cutter thing. Okay. Um, because let's say, you know, I had to cancel last minute, then they can be like, oh, well here, Chloe can't come, but we can offer you Sadie to come instead. And she's also this height with blonde hair and weighs this much and whatever. So they want you to fit into like specific molds almost Mm -hmm. so that they can... It's like they're turning you into a product. Right. Yeah. Which I didn't love because a big selling feature for me is my personality. Like a lot of men say that they love coming to talk to me because... I am intelligent. I can have these like quite intelligent conversations with them. You know, we'll banter back and forth. We'll have sometimes like heated arguments and then like get into it and then have fun after. And it's, you know, like a really great time. And so that's something that I love and that a lot of my clients love as well. Um, And you've used the term like girlfriend experience before, Mm -hmm. I think before we hit record. Yeah. So like that's that different than that's different than what you were talking about with like that porn star experience. Mm-hmm. You you personally want to have that banter and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff as well, right? Mm-hmm. And again, typically people who book me also want that. So that's the kind of clientele that I look for and that I enjoy the most. And when I'm enjoying myself, they're typically enjoying themselves way more mm-hmm. because you know you click and and everything else just gets better from there. Um. So then moving away from that. So then I ended up deciding to join a collective instead. So it's not quite independent, but it's almost independent. So with this, I charge more. Um, and I make more as well because Mm. I'm paying out the agency less. Now with that, I'm typically doing a little bit more work. Like now I converse with my own clients. Like I book them in myself I have access to, and this is also something that I love, is the full transparency. I have access to all the calendars at all times, all the books, all of that kind of stuff. And instead of me working for the agency, they work for me. The collective works for me. So I'm paying them out to do some advertising. People can call them to book me, um, in which case the split for what we're making is a little bit different. Um, which is nice because, you know, on some days, let's say I just want to throw myself on the schedule last minute, um, and they'll book things in for me and I don't need to worry about it. Mm -hmm. Um, or, you know, some days I'll be working and I'll have however many, I'll have however many hours open and I'll have people come in and and pre-book me, you know, three weeks in advance and that will already be booked and done. And then I'm done with it. So, oh, and the other good perk is that I have access to in-call spaces that I don't have to worry about like upkeeping myself or like paying rent for or anything like that. Right. Which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't need to worry about hotels or, or any, any of that jazz. Um, yeah. And then finally there's fully independent, mm-hmm. which is exactly what it sounds like. You do everything yourself. Typically at that point you've at least worked with an agency. I don't know many girls that started just fully independent because it is a lot of work and there is a lot of, things that you need to kind of figure out along the way. How would an independent advertise themselves? Um, there's 
various websites. Again, there's this one. The main one is called Leo's List. There's also one called TURB, which is the Toronto Escort Review Board. So there's a lot of stuff on there. Um, what else? Again, Twitter. Twitter is a big one. Twitter is one of the only like sex positive and sex work positive platforms because it's one of the only ones that's not owned by Facebook. Mm. Um, or it's not Facebook anymore. It's I have no idea. I don't know social media. I don't know. It's, <laughs> it, they changed the name. It's like Enigma or like Inertia or something sure. different now. But okay. um, yeah, so Twitter is a great a great spot. Um, it's where I advertise and it's also great to like connect with clients that way as well. And again, for them to get a sense of your personality, like I tweet various things during the week, during the day, I'll tweet pictures, I'll tweet random thoughts. You know, sometimes I'm funny. (laughs) Sometimes. Uh, Sometimes. Okay. We we can work with that. Yeah. Um, I want to interject. One thing you've been mentioning a lot is like the girls, the women and all this mm -hmm. male sex workers. Yeah. They they, exist. Yeah? They do. Um, the one thing is, is it's really hard to be a male sex worker because unfortunately, just in like the world that we live in, it's a lot easier for girls to get laid and not have to pay for it. Right. Have you worked with or like yeah. in the agencies or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's also, I've worked with um, some trans sex workers as well. Um and some non-binary ones. There's actually quite a few non-binary sex workers that I've I've worked with as well, and they're all wonderful, great. Um, and I'm trying to think of any other crazy ones. I mean, DOMs are, like, also another kind of subcategory um, because some DOMs will identify as female. Some will go either way. When you're saying DOM, yeah. you mean... Like a dominatrix. Right. Yeah. We're going to assume that, like, people listening to this don't know the lingity or... Sorry, I assumed Dom was just, like, a common <laughs> a common thing. I guess not. Some of us vanilla folk over here. Mm, okay. Well, in sex work and, like, in the industry, I'm considered pretty vanilla. So I think that's also interesting. I've been starting to dip my toe into kink a little bit more. Um, but... Kink being? Kink being kinky... I don't know. How do you describe kink? Like anything other than like maybe like a a light spank or like (laughs) missionary. Okay. Flogging, um, choking, uh, pegging. I think if we start going down this, then this whole rest of the podcast (laughs) is going to turn into defining terms. Yeah. So we'll just say like not the... Like, yeah, the missionary, the, those kinds of things. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Fair. And some people, I guess, probably specialize in this and they can advertise mm-hmm. all that and so on and mm-hmm. so forth. Yeah. So I advertise for some kink services, but they're very minimal. And um, yeah, I'm hoping to expand soon. But for now, I have my a la carte menu. <laughs> I wish you all the best of luck. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's get back into this relationship element. Yes, my partner. Yes. My fiancé. Your fiancé? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, you mentioned is a man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I think the initial question was, have you always been doing this work since you've been with him? Yeah, so I actually uh, started, I'm sorry if you can hear my dog licking right oh, now. Oh, a dog. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um... So, 
I've always um, been in some sort of this line of work since we've been together. Um, it was something that I was really nervous to tell him because I really liked him, but I told him very early on because I promised myself going into any new relationships that I was going to be like completely open and honest and like authentically me. And it was really important to not feel like I had to hide anything from anyone. So I told him on our, I think our third date. Um, and it was funny because I told him and like, I got this huge sigh of relief from him. Mm. And I was like, what the heck? Like, what's going on here? He's like, oh my gosh, like, I've been seeing escorts for the last like eight or nine years and I've literally never told anyone. Like I thought I was going to be taking that to the grave and like, it's so great to hear that. Like this makes me so happy to know that I feel like I can confide in you about this and you understand that it's not this like weird thing. Um, And ever since then, that was kind of the moment that I started being like, okay, no, like we need to talk about this more Mm. because Again, I'm a very normal person. He's a very normal person, whatever your definition of normal is. And two people who've never really told, he never told anyone. I've at least, I had told, you know, one or two people at that point that I had been sugaring. Um, But he hadn't told a soul that he had been seeing escorts for the last eight or nine years. And there's a lot of shame around that. Yeah. I actually, uh, in some of the suicide intervention work that I've done, I had someone, a male, Mm -hmm call me at one point in time, like really, really upset, like to the point where this was a concern because he had been with a sex worker and the sex worker had essentially threatened to out him to his family. Apparently he went to the washroom at one point in time and she went through his stuff and like went through his phone and took some phone numbers and said that if he, she didn't pay him, like a thousand dollars or something that she was going to out him. And he Ugh. was, he was so upset about the whole situation to the point where he thought he would have to leave the country or like end his life. Like oh all gosh. these different things came up and in the end to make him feel better, I ended up making, making a phone call with him to the police to just assure him that this isn't like a big deal. Yeah, that's terrible. Um, that's really unfortunate that happened to him. And that's like, obviously not the norm and not a safe person. And maybe one that would have, that could have been someone who had been like exploited or something like that. And that's unfortunate. Um, but also like with the shame and all of that kind of stuff, like you don't really have people to ask or like go to for information on reputable sources or things like that Mm. so if you are just doing like a quick google search then you don't know what could be coming up um well the thing was too like he was a single male yeah who like i don't know i i maybe there'd be more shame there if you were going and you didn't tell your wife and this would be an issue or something like that but there was really it was just the stigma of sex work itself that that caused and and to kind of play how this uh or to say how this played out um, after talking to the police officer with him, because he even felt like, again, not knowing, he thought that he would get like arrested if anyone no. found out about all this kind of stuff. Um, the police officer was like, well, who cares? Yeah. So even if they do out you, like it's not a big deal. Yeah. 
And that made him feel better. In the end, he didn't pay anything. And she did nothing with the information she allegedly had taken anyway. So nothing terrible came from it. But to say how much fear and anxiety he got over this possible Mm -hmm. situation. That's so unfortunate. Um, Yeah, in sex work, there's like three-ish golden rules. One is don't don't ever expect and don't ask for bareback full service, which is sex without a condom. Right. Um, If you even ask, most of the time you'll be instantly blacklisted or blocked. Um, Two is you don't out clients and clients don't out you. Mm. Um, It's pretty common, especially in Toronto, to, you know, be passing someone on the street and, like, just happen. I've heard from friends, um, you know, that they've been passing someone and, like, pass their client with their wife or something Mm. like that and you just move on and unless a client approaches you you don't approach them and kind of go from there and uh rule number three is uh if you know a sex worker's real name no you don't so this is like this is a guarded thing yeah right so even we're using the name that we came up with today Mm -hmm. but even the name that you came to me with isn't even your real name so this is like double layer of protection of a fake name. Right. And the only reason why we're using a fake name today is because I'm not fully out on my social medias to all of my clients that I have a fiance and things like that. And unfortunately that can hurt your business Hmm. Um, with regulars and people that I see more often. um, It is something that I do eventually bring up and I do hope to have a family soon And so, you know, eventually I will be pregnant and I plan to work through part of my pregnancy at least. And so at that point, I obviously am going to have to out myself because, you know, I can't pretend to not be pregnant. It's kind of an obvious thing. Um, And also like it's, I'm going to be appealing to a different demographic of people. Of course. So. So as far as other people in your life though, like do, does, does your family know? So the only people that don't know right now are uh, my parents, um, and that's about it. Like my sister knows, my fiance's parents know. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, uh, they're a lot more open-minded than my parents are, um, and for a while they've always been of the mindset that, you know, sex work is work, sex work is legitimate work and whatever you want to do and whatever you choose to do that makes you happy and makes you money and fulfills your life is fine with us. And as long as you're being safe, that was like their, that was really their only question when we told them was, are you, do you feel safe and are you being safe? And I said, yes. And they were like, cool. Then how about it? Like, that's awesome. Like you're doing something that can support your family and, and allows you more time to be home and, you know, doing schoolwork and doing other things. And, and you're still able to be like very successful and like meet all of the financial goals that you have as well. Mm -hmm. Now, does your fiance ever talk about jealousy or anything like that in regards to your work? No, it's never really been an issue. Like at first we talked about it and, and he had said, you know, maybe after a shift I might, you know, be a little bit more 
like needy um mm. in a sense of like him wanting a little bit more like physical affection or just like reassurance that you know like i love him and and that kind of stuff and that dissipated very quickly um same with even knowing information like at first i didn't really tell him a lot about like what went on um and now again like i don't out my clients so like i never give him any identifying information but you know we talk about our days at work at the dinner table just like every other normal interesting um couple does and you know i'll be like oh yeah like today i had like a great client and you know he brought me a bottle of wine and we talked about the dogs and all that or like oh i saw like my my regular again today and and he told me that you know he he updated his washing machine that he's been wanting to do for so long and he finally got it in from back order or whatever and he's like oh that's that's great or whatever it is so wow yeah i feel like i I almost need to do a podcast episode with your fiance yeah (laughs) to see like you know the life of the 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 partner yeah yeah interesting uh so one of the other questions that i i had like I think some of the shame that also comes with this lifestyle is this idea of like, who would be the person that would pay for sex? And meanwhile, you know, you said that your fiance has Mm -hmm. used escorts before. So like what, what kind of demographic, is there a demographic? Is there, is it everything and anything? It really is. Like I'd say quite honestly, probably about 50% of my clients are married Okay. Um, and probably about 50% of those, the wife is either aware or same kind of thing, like don't ask, don't tell kind of thing. Like they know that something's going on, but they just would rather live their facade at home. And, um, and it works, it works for a lot of people. And you know what? Like it's, it's been compared a lot of times to like having a house cleaner or, you know, paying someone to do your dry cleaning or mm-hmm. something else that you nest don't or can't do because, you know, maybe for whatever reason, sex isn't working at home and everything else is working. And this person, you know, typically male, but male or female has this need that they need fulfilled in, fulfilled some, way. in yeah. some way. And so, here's my job to come in and have this need fulfilled. And then he can go home and, and be a good husband, be a good partner and, and do those other things that he's good at doing with his family. Yeah. In, in the first episode on this season, my wife and I talked about ethical non-monogamy and non-monogamy and everything. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's, that's the piece behind this. This falls under Mm non-monogamy and depending, I guess, on how people approach it, kind of puts it in that category yeah, of either it's a ethical bit of a gray or area. non-ethical. Yeah. Right. I mean, technically my fiance and I are ethically non-monogamous as well, if you think about it. Right, of course. Yeah. Yeah. It's an umbrella piece of that. For sure. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, you know, looking at the clock and everything, like I also, I had like my list of questions and everything, but is there anything else that you want to like put out there in the world to dispel any ignorance, to help to break down some of the stigma of, you know, that this is a legitimate means for people to live. And it's not just out of necessity, but it's something that comes from a level of enjoyment, Mm -hmm. all of this, because 
I think before we hit record, you were also explaining to me how sometimes, you know, the clients would be people who do a lot of business or travel a lot and just feel mm-hmm. like they don't have time for a relationship, mm-hmm. but people still want love. People mm-hmm. still want, or at least um, to feel affection. Mm-hmm. They want to feel like you say that girlfriend experience. Mm-hmm. And like everyone has that same basic hierarchy of needs mm-hmm. of, of feeling some form of intimacy. So yeah. it kind of dispels this idea of it being, you know, in the shadows and all this. And sometimes it's just the only way that someone with a busy lifestyle or someone who can't, or doesn't want necessarily to be in a regular relationship can mm-hmm. find that affection in some way. Totally. And I think, you know, I've been chatting with more of my sex worker friends about this as well. And we say often like, yes, these people are paying for us to come, but they're just as much paying for us. <laughs> there is a play on yeah. words there. <laughs> but they're paying for us to show up, but they're also just as much paying for us to leave. Mm. because when we walk out that door, there's no strings attached. There's nothing that they need to follow up on. And when they're wanting or ready for us to come back, it's a simple text message to a booker to say, Hey, is this person available two weeks from today um, Mm -hmm. for two hours? And they can say yes or no. And then it's, it works or it doesn't. And that works for a lot of people. And Mm -hmm. I love going on dates with clients. Like it's one of my favorite things, like four or five, six hour dates are so much fun for me because, you know, we'll go out for dinner, go to, I mean, again, post pandemic, like we could go to the movies or go to a show or a sports event or something like that and, and have like a real date. Mm -hmm. And they say like, this is great because, you know, I want to date, but it's, I don't have the time. And, but he still wants that experience or they still want that experience and they can still get that experience. It's just a different means to an end, I guess. Um, yeah. And it's interesting when, when you talked about that pay to leave thing, because there's people who have all kinds of different trauma in this world. Mm-hmm. So even if you are the type of person that has some serious trauma around commitment or the idea of relationship status or just fear of people getting too close, mm-hmm. this is a, a way to kind of address some of those yeah. those issues as well. Yeah. And something that just came to my mind as well is like, I know it comes up in the ethical non-monogamous world mm-hmm. that, uh, that my wife and I talked about, but where sometimes there's certain things that maybe your partner doesn't want to do with you, mm-hmm. or maybe you're starting to realize that you find different identities attractive. Mm-hmm. You talked about the dominatrix side of things. Like mm-hmm. maybe that's something that your partner at home isn't into and all this. And because there's a framework there, it actually seems like it's potentially a safer place to explore with some of those new dimensions with professionals who would maybe know how to navigate that Mm -hmm. pretty seamlessly. Actually, a lot of my clients too, um, the ones where their wives know that they see sex workers, they're only allowed to see sex workers. They're not allowed to Mm. date civilians. Is that what we're considered? Yeah, that's oh, what we're considered as civilians <laughs> wow, okay. or civvies. Right. Yeah. Um, because it's the same thing. Like, they know that there's going to be no strings attached. And, like, yeah, we're going to have a great time when we're there. But for us, it's it's a job. And there's no risk to any part of, like, their relationship going awry or wrong or anything because they're getting whatever they need from us. And then they're going home and they mm-hmm. have that relationship as well. Um, but yeah, as far as like 
debunking myths. I think a big thing for me that like I've been talking about a lot is, you know, I think that it needs to be more normalized that sex workers are normal people because I don't necessarily think it's fair that I have to hide that I have a fiance and that, mm. you know, eventually I want to get pregnant and have a family and that I'll have kids and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think it, it shouldn't have to be secretive and people need to realize that like, yeah, I'm a normal person. I'm allowed to have a life, but like, just because I have these other things doesn't mean that I am any less of who you need me to be in that moment and that I'm here to do a job and I love my job. And I say that like most of my job is, is people and I'm a people person and I, I'm an extrovert and I love surrounding myself with people. And that's the biggest reason why I love this job is to get to connect with all these new people and hear about their adventures that, you know, I maybe wouldn't otherwise get to go on or, Mm -hmm listen to those different kind of types of days at work from a lawyer or a banker or a doctor or a dentist or whoever, like my fiance doesn't know any of that stuff. (laughs) So it's great to hear different perspectives from different walks of life and different people. And I mean like, yeah, the sex is fun too. And, and it's great to get to experience sometimes new things with people or, you know, experiment or not. And it's all, it's like all part of the job and it's all great. So I'll continue to, you know, advocate for this to be more normalized and continue to talk about it because I think it's the only way that it's going to be destigmatized is for people to realize that normal people do this and yeah. Well, and I think, you know, it's one thing to talk about sex work as something that's normal. And before we even get there, I think we have to start talking about how normal sex is. Mm-hmm. Like it's incredible how that is still so taboo mm-hmm. of a of subject. I, I can't remember which comedian it was, but I remember it came up on one of the specials I watched where it's like, it's okay to watch. Uh, it's okay to watch like gore, someone getting murdered on television. It's okay, you know, to see yeah. like terrible, terrible things portrayed wow. on the big screen all the time. And then him being a comedian, he's like, yeah. but I watch porn on the airplane and I get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so true, right? Like, yeah. you can literally have a movie on of someone getting like their skin peeled off or something like that. Like, oh yeah, it's a good scene. Look at the yeah. CG. That's really, you know, incredible. Yeah. And meanwhile, something like sex is like if someone were to catch you with pornography it's like your heart stops and all of this kind of stuff right so yeah i think there's a lot in general around sex sexuality Mm -hmm. that uh, we really need to address as as human beings and one of the things i always find you were talking about wanting to um, try to build a family and get Mm -hmm. pregnant i always found it really funny how in most couple situations if you were to say to your parents or your in-laws like oh so we are going to start trying to have a baby mm-hmm. that everyone gets excited about it. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, if you just said like, Hey, so we're having sex that is like, what are you doing? Yeah. Don't tell me that no, no. it's the exact same thing, but <laughs> yeah. like one is a, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting how we view it. And I think um, more conversations like this help us break down some of those stigmas mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, for everyone watching, have the conversations, even if they're awkward, there's something you can laugh about in the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, Thank you so much for joining me today. And um, yeah, who knows? Maybe we'll do a follow-up when uh, when you do get pregnant and see what yeah. sex work is like as a pregnant woman and see yeah. how much of your experience has changed to that yeah, point. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
All right, take care. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Higher Potential Living Podcast. If you would like to learn more about Higher Potential Living and the services we offer, please visit www.higherpotentialliving.com. We offer different online courses, in-person courses, mindfulness and meditation retreats, and we have a variety of different coaches that are there to help you with anything that you might be going through. So please check us out. You can also help support the work we do by subscribing to this podcast anywhere you're listening and of course, sharing it and telling your friends all about it. Thank you so much and have a great day.